I loved a lot of the science projects. I love I love the scientific method and then testing hypotheses and then writing reports. And then eventually I realized, oh, well, I'm actually a writer, <laughs> not a scientist. That was Arabella DeLuco, founder and CEO of WeXL, a nonprofit empowering diverse creators. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this podcast, Arabella traces her story back to Manila in the Philippines, where she was born and lived until she was five. She then joined aunts and uncles in LA, and she really thrived. She loved school and immersed herself in it. When she moved from Southern California to New Jersey, it was a major shift, and she dove into her schoolwork even further, eventually being named valedictorian of her high school. During Arabella's time at Rutgers University in New Brunswick, she started spending time in New York City, first as a beer promoter, and then as a journalist. Check back Thursday for part two and the conclusion of Arabella's story, including how she wound up in San Francisco and started WeXL. Here's Arabella. I am Filipino. I was born in the Philippines and in Manila. And I I feel I know I, I was I was raised by a village. Mm. So um, my family, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, um, they just are so much part of who I am as a person. And you know, as much as I used to think growing up, oh, I wish I had this or I wish I had that. I wish mm. I was born in the United States. Mm. And, um, you know, it took me a while to understand that all of it is part of my story. Right on. And, you know, there's, there's a point where I remember when I was a kid and I couldn't really speak English. And, and I was on the playground and... I just vowed to myself that I would learn English with mm. all my might. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I ended up, you know, l- learning English with all my might to the point where I think it has it has compromised my ability to speak Tagalog mm-hmm. or Filipino. And wh- how old were you when you learned English? Um, I was five or six. I mean, okay. I was still very young, right. but I was, a, I was a pretty bright kid. Mm-hmm. I, I could, you know, I... I um, I I, rem- I I I took things very quickly. Took to things very quickly, mm-hmm. but when I came to this country, I, yeah, I couldn't speak English, and I don't know why. <laughs> oh, okay. So you learned English in the, in the in US. In the United States, Got yeah, it. between the age, like in kindergarten, and I mean, I know people are thinking, well, you were so young, <laughs> mm. but still, I, I think about I, I, the reason why I remember it is because of this weird vow I made with myself. On the you playground. Know, on the playground. Yeah. And and I don't know why I remember this. And maybe I just dreamt it up, made it up. Who knows? But I remember and I feel that I had vowed to myself. Yeah. And and you made good on that vow. I made good on that vow. You, you were yes. good to you in that instance. Yes. Yeah. And and I accomplished it. Yeah. I went I went on to study English literature and political science at Rutgers. And I, I loved my liberal arts background. And then from there, I became a newspaper reporter mm-hmm. out of college or during college. I worked for an, a Gannett Daily newspaper. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I started off as an obituary clerk. Okay. 
way back in 2000. Where you write everyone who's still alive, you write their obituaries, so they're ready to go. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've always, well, this is why I... I they do that. Read. I've worked with newspapers, too. Yeah, they do that. I mean, that's, no, never. It's so morbid. It's, it's so, so morbid. morbid. It is. I, I And then I got a little morbid, but also got fascinated with the business of the funeral homes, too. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to really talk to I, I wanted I've always wanted to talk to a funeral home um, owner mm-hmm. because it's usually a passed down business right and it's a fascinating it's one of those things that you oh, you stories, are born into the stories yes. that they must yeah and it's fascinating to me yeah so that's how I started off in storytelling I want to hear more <laughs> about your family before you were born um, do you know any of those stories of Maybe how they ended up in Manila, or what you know, what was it about coming to the U.S.? Like what you know, what was what was your mom or parents' story there? It's interesting. Um, I wonder if in my quest for assimilation, I pretty much haven't had the opportunity to really go into my ancestors. Mm. It's it's mm-hmm. a very it's very different for me as mm-hmm. a Filipino American, mm-hmm. um, trying to almost distance myself from mm-hmm. you know the history that is the Philippines. Um, right. I've always said, uh, you know, I would I've heard it before the, the the where you know they would tell me that I would never be an actor in the Philippines because I'm too dark. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and colorism, colorism is, is yeah. a thing, and it's always made me really just, you know, among other things about the the Filipino culture, I've 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 had to really come to terms with it mm-hmm. because I judge it, and so the things in terms of my ancestors, like my my grandparents, so my grandfather, um, in World War Two, he. Um, you know, his family went to the mountains. And I remember writing about that in fourth grade or that around that, mm-hmm. maybe even earlier. And I still have that story. Yeah, Get, it's Getting the grade. story directly from your from, grandparents? Yeah, yes, from my grandfather who was alive at that time. Right. I believe it was probably a year before or the year of his death oh, wow. that I got this story. And I okay. still have it. Um, and I can share with you the this 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 story Amazing. um i remember writing it all down on yellow legal paper mm, handwriting it handwriting yeah and and you know interviewing the, the assignment was interview you know a grandparent about some and make it into historical fiction so oh. i made i interviewed my grandfather and then turned it into historical fiction awesome. um and I didn't really think at that time it was such a big deal, but then I remember my teacher reading it aloud and uh, and being so impressed at what I wrote. And I don't know why I always thought that it wasn't such a big deal, because I read it now and I'm like, wow, I wrote that when I was 10 years old? That is incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was because like I just never thought that it was valuable. Was it that assimilation mindset? perhaps that was too pervasive in your life like you're, you're I, like you couldn't appreciate I think so yeah I really think so I couldn't appreciate the journey and the struggle that my own family w- went through to be here in the United States yeah. 
And, you know, I think part of it, a, a friend of mine, Gabby Dayi, she told me, you know, I read that book, Grit. You said, you know, you always kind of, a lot of immigrants, and her father is from Africa, a lot of immigrants have this sort of grit to them where they just feel like your their struggle is not that important because, like, other people's struggles are not that important because they've struggled so much that it's just part of life. Right. And so I think that that's inherently in me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this sort of grit of, of, of minimizing our, my own struggle, minimizing other people's struggle mm-hmm. because of what we've been through as right. immigrants, right. as brown immigrants. Right. right? Um, so, you know, and it's also very difficult for me to even accept that I'm Asian American. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm darker than an Asian, like than, than an East Asian, right? Mm-hmm. Like so Chinese, uh, Japanese, Korean. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, like you said, colorism is really pervasive in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and I'm sensitive to that. I I, I relate more to South Asians, mm-hmm. um, you know, in Indian Indian mm-hmm. American, mm-hmm. South Asian Americans, um, and 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 that, you know, Cambodian Americans. Like right. there's more of the what what uh, Ali Wong says, jungle Asian. I'm a yeah. jungle Asian. I'm not a fancy yeah. Asian. <laughs> You know, and so yeah. that's always been also this sort of trying to figure out where I belong. And when I, like, I've always wanted to check off Pacific Islander and not Asian mm. because even in school, I'm considered Asian. And, you know, we, we've got the, the, the Asian families that are focused on math. I'm not that bad at math, but I'm not like, <laughs> you know, I'm, a, yeah. I'm not a math whiz. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's it's been it's been that that's been my struggle with accepting my history and you know the categories are so broad. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um and monolithic and and I feel like if especially if there there are others some people want to keep them that way and it's like no dig deep there's like I mean even down to like the family level people are different. There's differences, you know? Yes, absolutely. So. And you know also, in my family, I'm pretty out there in terms of forging my own path. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my family members are in um, are nurses, mm-hmm. and that's not a surprise. That's the that is the the main career that got you know this the Filipinos to immigrate into the United States in the seventies, mm-hmm. right? And so I think it might have started in the 50s. Um, but I'm not like that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not. I've always been, um, I've always loved more of the creative side mm-hmm. of, of, of work. I can't really do anything outside if it's not creative. Yeah. I just won't do it. I think what, what what's really matters to me and what matters to me with my ancestors is their freedom. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about the Philippines. If we want to really talk about ancestors, like let's talk about the, its history and its history. Co- yes, mm-hmm. Spanish imperialism on top of you know over three hundred years. Right. Do you have any memories of that first stint in LA when you were you said five or so? Yeah. What um, did you think? Well, I mean, I have a very cute picture that I can share with you. Okay. I'm like in 
red, white, and blue dancing. <laughs> I'm like six years old. It's like, it's like one of my favorite pictures yeah. of myself. Okay. Because I just remember that was like when I came to the America, you yeah. know, the United States. Arrived. Arrived. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, I was like so cute. Um, and that would have been around 85, 86? 85, 85. 85, 86. Okay. Yeah, okay. somewhere around there. God, LA, if memory serves, had just had the Olympics in 84. Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing. I remember. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, or like a year later, there was a big earthquake in LA. Mm-hmm. I was there for that. Okay. Was that the 88 earthquake or 87? Um, I'm, I'm not from the, the LA one I'm familiar with is 94, and then 89 was here. But there, no, but there was pro- one. There was one earlier than probably that. Probably in LA. That, oh yeah, you know. because of '94. Yeah, I remember being taken out of school, and it was it yeah. was it was kind of crazy. But yeah, when I, I was, you know, I was a happy kid, man. Like, we all lived in the same house in LA. Like there were, my grandparents, was were in one room, my. One uncle is in another room with his his wife, and then my other uncle, who's now here in San Francisco, um, he was in the other room, and then uh, and then my aunts were. I mean, I think there was only three bedrooms. <laughs> I don't know how many we fit. Fit. Right. So when I was in first grade, the uh, in L.A. there was this. The teacher asked us to draw our our bedrooms. And I didn't have my own bedroom. So my family just told me to make a bedroom up, like Uh a bedroom that I wanted. Okay. And so I did, but then I was also kind of crushed by it because I didn't have my own bedroom. Because it wasn't real. It wasn't real. And I think that was really kind of unfair of the teacher to assume that that I had my own bedroom. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think I would sleep in different bedrooms was wherever like I felt like sleeping mm-hmm. which was awesome like as were a kid were you the only kid there do you have siblings um well I have half siblings okay got it um but I'm the first of 17 grandchildren okay so I'm like cousins I'm kind of like the baby of my grandparents okay like my the youngest of my grandparents, my uncle Reggie is ten years older than I am. Okay. So I'm the youngest. Right. Yeah. So can you tell us about your life in New Jersey? Yeah. How old were you when you when you went out there? I was eight okay. in New Jersey. So like second, third grade or something yeah. like that? Okay. Yeah. I was supposed to go to a magnet school in LA mm. in like second grade and I, I was really heard excited. That term in so long. In so long, right? Yeah. I was supposed I was really excited because at that time I really loved science. Okay. So I was supposed to go to a science magnet school in LA and when I was told that I was gonna move to New Jersey, I think that was a little bit of a sad thing. Mm-hmm. My thing was I immersed myself in school. I was okay. a very good student. Okay. Um, I was a very good student growing up. Um, Anything besides science that you were into in, in um, grade school? Writing. I, I discovered mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I loved science, and I thought that that was something that I should pursue because of the culture. Mm-hmm. Of, of I, loved, I loved a lot of the science projects. I love I loved the scientific method and then testing hypotheses and then 
writing reports. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I realized, oh, well, I'm actually a writer, <laughs> not a scientist. Right. But I approach, I approach a lot of, of, of what I see in, in a very scientific method. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually given a talk about like using the scientific method for deducing down you know, to the storytelling. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I love, I like think that that's just my process. Um, you just have an idea and a hypothesis and then you go and like research and test test and then, and then you come up with your conclusion. Love it. Right. And so there's a science to storytelling that Mm -hmm. I really love. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so really, Oh, one of the things that I did put myself through is at a young age, I think starting in fourth grade, fourth grade was really pivotal for me. I went, I, we moved from, from Bloomfield, New Jersey to, to Mine Hill, New Jersey, a small town. Okay. Um, and it had this amazing, it still has this uh, Canfield Avenue school, which was this really pivotal three years of my life, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. My teachers were incredible. And um, there were so many resources, like computers, and like oh, wow. yeah. I was able to, you know, like I was typing like sixty words per minute, and by middle school because Dang. of the school, yeah. um, and I just really enjoyed, you know, school and my teachers and learning, and um, and that's that's, and then I started. Um, competing in public speaking competition. I was in a gifted and talented program, which they don't do anymore because they feel right. it's unfair. Right. Um, I loved mine. I mean, I think that if I didn't have this gifted and talented program, I don't know how I would You be. would have been held back. Yeah. Or, right? I don't, like, I would have been bored maybe in school. Right. But the part of the gifted and talented program was bringing us through what they call forensics. It's like public right. speaking. Okay. It's weird. I don't know why it's called forensics. That word but gets thrown around. Yeah. I'm like, like it's what does FBI that forensics? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I did a lot of public speaking. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. At that time? Fourth, fifth grade? Yeah, fourth, okay. fifth, and sixth grade. Wow. Uh, I won a couple of them. No um, way. Yeah, it was fun. I'm imagining, and this is like a caricature, but like the little kid <laughs> who like has the, bo- the the box and like sets it down and like stands up on the box is like, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Were you well, like that kind of? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because my grandfather was an attorney in the Philippines. Then he became a security guard for 7-Eleven here in LA, but he was always an orator, mm-hmm. you know, and um and so and so was my mom too so she like she encouraged this part um and so i i learned like patrick henry give me liberty or give me death <laughs> when shall we be stronger so shall it be the next week or the next year shall it be when every home has a british guard like that kind oh of thing oh my goodness or like walt whitman yeah <laughs> you yeah. know like like what is that? Um, oh, Captain, my Captain, our fearful trip is, is done. The ship has weathered every rack. The prize we sought is won. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't know we were going to get poetry in this yeah, episode. Yeah, <laughs> Annabelle Lee, you know, Edgar yeah. Allan Poe, that was the other one. Yeah. I mean, that that was also a pretty pivotal moment for me. I mean, this school was awesome. It sounds like a well-rounded education, but also like... like um, I guess helping kids find a potential or find find something that they really 
like, like it was incredible. Grab onto. Yeah, you, I, I like I love this school. Yeah, and I still have friends that from from elementary school from these three years because it's just really changed our lives. I mean, if there's anything for me right now with We Excel, it's like I'm really excited about our youth program, and I want to bring it to San Francisco because we did it in the Bronx. Yeah. <laughs> because I met a teacher from the Bronx and we're like, oh, let's test it in your school first. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, let's bring it to San Francisco because I just see how programs like this for kids uh, like shape them. Fourth and fifth grade. And that's that, and specifically I remember because I was so um, moved or uh, changed by this experience in fourth and fifth grade mm -hmm. that I think, you know, we should be able to try to bring this to, to kids, um, especially kids in, in, in you know, um, areas that, that, that don't have the programs, that don't have the funding mm -hmm. to, to get it. And, it, you know, it's so different now. Sadly, there's plenty of those here yeah. in San Francisco. So, well, I went to a different middle so Junior high. Junior high middle school was pretty tough, okay. even though I did like my teachers. I had a great science teacher. Um, but... You know, I was in a predominantly black and uh, black and Hispanic school, mm -hmm. and um, they called like I got called like chicken teriyaki. But you know, I look back at it, and I'm actually friends with all those people that call me chicken teriyaki now, because like it's it was like middle school. You yeah. know, I I'm still like it was just middle school. Mm -hmm. Kids start being shitty to each other. Yeah. And the, I feel like a lot of the words they use are like stuff they're hearing at home. You know, yeah, it's not. I mean, yeah. And it's just, and then now like they're perfectly great humans and they've yeah. even like apologized to me and I'm like, okay. oh, we were 12, right. you know, and I actually. But I accept your apology. I accept your apology. <laughs> yeah. It was hurtful at one point. Right. But you know, like right. you know, kids are awful. Like yeah. to each other. Totally. And then, so instead of going into Dover Public High School, um, I, like I wanted to go to private school, but we didn't have a lot of money, so we went to this um, high school that has since closed down called mm. Bailey Ellard. Okay. Quite loved Bailey Ellard, by okay. the way. I, I did. Uh, my teachers were amazing, and it was only three hundred fifty dollars a month. I mm. remember, like, that is so cheap for mm. a private school. No mm -hmm. wonder it closed down. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> You're like, can I run your books for you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I fell in love with going to high school. Um, it was a very small high school. We we were only two hundred fifty. Kids for four grades. Oh, for the whole thing. Wow. For the whole thing. That's like 60 or something yes. students per. That's it tiny. Very tiny. Yeah. And, um, you know, they even, like, the, I mean, I went to school in Madison, New Jersey, which is surrounded by prep schools galore. Right. You know, Ivy League, Ivy League prep schools. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. you have Morristown Beard, which where I really wanted to go, but it was at that time $15,000 a year. There's no way. Yeah. Um, it's a bit more than three fifty a month. Yes, a oh, a lot more. Maybe it was yeah. like ten back then. Yeah. Uh, but now it's like forty. <laughs> so you know, a lot more, and this was not possible. But I was really lucky that I was able to go to Bailey Ellard um, affordably, and because it was so far, it was in Madison. It was far from where we lived. Okay. Um, so I had to take the train. Oh. Um, which was actually quite wonderful. I love it. Yeah. yeah, that was like a lot of independence, right? Yeah, For totally. a 15-year-old. Totally. And um Were yeah. you like getting dropped off at the train station and it's yes. like 
see ya. Oh, Don't want to be great. Yeah. yeah. That was amazing. How long was the train ride? It was like 40 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. And then and and all of us kids, like, you know, it's so funny. I'm just recounting this. I'm like, this should be in one of my movies. Like, yeah. Like, to the train. Because how cool is that? Did you have a, wa- a Walkman or a Discman and, and like a magazines or books or anything? Like, how did you pass the time? I think I talked to my friends. Okay. Oh, you had friends on the train. Yeah, right. from, because okay. we would come from that area, or we would get picked up at like you know Roxbury. Maybe the, the, just like along the line. Yeah. The fr- my friends They'd start like joining in. in. Yeah. I may have been like at the end of the line. Oh, you got everyone. But I got you know we yeah books. I mean, like I think I had a disc man at one point <laughs> that kept on like you know skipping because totally. it didn't have a shock absorber. Totally. Um, I just, I just kind of secretly just wanted to bring in Discman. Right. I mean, I definitely did have it because I would always have like a sort of like the like a gadget. Did you have the yellow one, the exercise one, the strap? Like it was, it was was just the the gray one, gray one, Discman, and it's thin and it didn't have a shock absorber. No. Yeah, and so skip town. But we had, you know, I had like my BMG and Columbia House, and I did start actually working part time on the weekends at a telemarketing firm. Okay. We're not selling anything. We're just here to ask you some questions as a survey. Do yeah. you have like, you know, 15 minutes? But again, <laughs> just like fourth and fifth grade, you're using your voice. Absolutely. Boom. Yes. And it was well paid at the time. Mm-hmm. It was slightly more than minimum wage. I think mm-hmm. I was getting paid $7.50 an hour. I think minimum wage was like five twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of money. And like the train, more independence too, right? You get, oh, start making your amazing. own money. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I may not have, I don't know if I, when I actually started the part-time job, but I think I'm, yeah, I think it was before I started, um, started driving. Cause I think okay. I, I think I would just get dropped off right. on the weekends and right. I would work Saturdays and Sundays and sometimes Fridays. Um, but yeah, I had, you know, it was really interesting. I, I just immersed myself into school activities, mm-hmm. every possible school activity mm-hmm. you could think of, theater, um, like newspaper. Oh, you did some newspaper. Uh, yeah, okay. and sports really poorly I did in sports but that's okay I still did it yeah yeah yeah. I still played soccer and basketball oh my goodness you should not put me on basketball team um (laughs) but I did it and I also you know at that point I was actually a pretty decent softball player growing up and then when I went to high school and they were starting to pitch like 60 mile an hour balls at me I was like I'm not as good as I thought I was. I have the same story. I loved baseball. And then it like got to like middle school and I'm like, they throw hard. I'm out. Yeah. Right. And you kind of just realize like, Oh, Mm -hmm. because you're playing with 18 year olds and you're still a child. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was so scary. And I'm just like, I don't like getting hurt physically. Like, you know, same. Let's go back to the independent, the growing independence theme, because, um, you went to college and that's right. That's yeah. another step in the independence. Wow. So it was so cool. That. Well, I was also about valedictorian of, of, Oh yeah. Let's, let's not forget school. that. I just want to say that I was yeah. a pretty accomplished, but I remember one of my classmates saying, you know, we were all really, we were all friends, but we were just like, for me, I didn't really have like a group in high school, um, like I did in college, and we could talk about that next, but I remember one of my classmates' friends, she said, oh, girl, you're going to go crazy, you're going to become a party 
animal when you get to college. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm such a good girl. Of valedictorian. And sure enough, she was yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I went to college, yeah. and I was like, Rutgers. Rutgers, are you rah rah? It was off the hook. It's fun. kind of. By Philly, right? Am I crazy? No, no. It's, well, there, there is one. Okay. So there's Rutgers Camden, but the main campus Camden. is Rutgers Newark. Uh, sorry, Rutgers Camden, Rutgers Newark, and then Rutgers New Brunswick is the main campus. And that's where you. And were. That's where I went. New College Avenue. Okay. Col- Rutgers College. I mean, this it's a big joke. No one really, uh, like, everyone who went to Rutgers New Brunswick would say, "Oh, I'm at Rutgers College," because it's like the more. It's like the harder college within the university, uh-huh. but it's really silly. Like, yeah, whatever. It's Rutgers University, yeah. which I think is an under underrated school. Okay, it's, it's that's on the record here. Yeah, okay. it's an underrated school. It's the most diverse school in the country. Wow. And I, I, I had great professors. Um, I found it to be stimulating, but I also found its proximity to New York City and New Brunswick itself as a like a really cool dynamic where we're not in New York City, but we can take a train into New York City in 40 minutes mm-hmm. and or drive in in Did 35. Did you do that a lot? Did you go to spend a lot of time in New yeah. York? Yeah, I started okay. actually. Um, yeah, a lot of time in New York. Okay. Um, well. First, we spent a lot of time. I, I was, I, I became part of the sororities uh, at Rutgers. Um, I got into Panhellenic Council, which mm-hmm. is the governing council. Mm-hmm. I was president of the Panhellenic, so I was always involved. Almost like student government, or not student government. No. It's the sororities. It's oh, the government it. of the sororities. Oh, Panhellenic. Panhellenic. Like yeah. The Greeks. Oh, exactly. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So. Um, the the men's side is uh, the fraternity side is the intra fraternity council and then the women's side is pan Hellenic. Okay. Um, so that was an interesting thing because I, you know, this is part of the assimilating. I really wanted an American college experience, so I joined a sorority. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were so many things to do at Rutgers that it was really like I was kind of spread thin. Okay. And then I had a really great, like social life mm-hmm. um so i did go to new york city when i when i turned 21 mm-hmm. but um around that time too i started um promoting coors light i, I was a spokesmodel for coors light oh, at 21 okay and it was the best job it was and at that time it was early on in like when when they just figured out promotions were a, like a thing to sell beer <laughs> um and this is important why I'm talking about Coors Light because it leads to my 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 uh, my uh, finding my partner okay. for life, okay. my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but Coors Light like really put me through college. Oh wow! <laughs> and got me laid. Sure. <laughs> and got me married. I was kidding. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> it th- was, thanks, it Coors was, Light. Yeah, <laughs> and it, you know we were getting paid $125 an hour. Per promo. Well, $125 per promo. So, like, mm-hmm. a promo would be an hour and a half. We'd go around in the bars. So, I'd get paid to go to the bars to hand out T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And then, in the summertime, the New Jersey shore opened up. <laughs> yeah. And so, we would get promotions in the New Jersey shore. And they would pay us a double if we changed bars. Or something like, if we worked more than, like, two and a half or three hours. It was great. Like, it was a double or something. So, and 
so if we went to two different bars on a weekend, we'd get paid $350. Wow. There was a point when we had like a quadruple and I got, and it was like $700. Yeah, that's like, amazing. I, I like broke it down, but the amount of hours that I had worked was not seven hours. Right. I mean, they ended up catching on to it. Like we're paying <laughs> these women way too much money. But I mean, I was until, so until they did incredibly happy with myself that yeah. I got that job, yeah. and and it was so fun. And then, you know, it would let me. And then on the uh, um, my one of my friends, um, she's one of my best friends. She was one of she's she was in my wedding party. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a designated driver all the time and she's like let's go into the city let's let's okay let's go i'll drive and i'm like okay so we started going to china club my girl group there's four of us Mm -hmm. we started going to china club on monday nights suede on tuesday nights and suede was a really fun small little lounge um club uh on like in chelsea Mm -hmm. china club is more like meatpacking like midtown area Mm -hmm. then we graduated to to suede which was like a little bit more shishi and that's where we met a bunch of like really impressive people and would see you know celebrities all the time and did then, you dig it did you dig oh like the, the big city of, of new york yeah i loved it yeah. and i loved my girlfriends like mm-hmm. they were just so you know they're so beautiful and confident and I don't I, like none of us would have to worry about each other if they're outside they, we could get into the club mm-hmm. it was interest. it was like I will never give that time up for my like that was a real big deal for me as a woman like yeah. it was my coming out like hello world I am woman hear me roar hell when yeah. I was in New York City did you ever think you might end up there oh 100% I tried yeah. Okay. I moved into New York City before leaving for the East Coast for okay. California. Okay. That must have been after 9-11. That was way after 9-11. 9-11 happened while I was in, still in, in college. college right. And I had an internship at RNN, Regional News Network. Mm-hmm. And I was on the train and I saw the first plane hit oh, the shit. tower from where, where we had stopped in New Jersey. Yeah. And everybody was like, what's Like you going saw it on? with your eyes, no TV. With eyes. Just through your window. Or through whatever, the yeah. train window. Yeah, Jesus. And then okay. we thought it was a prop plane. We didn't right. realize that it was a big... Because it doesn't make you sense. You can't see it. It doesn't make sense for a jet airliner to fucking... It, yeah. You can't see it. Right. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's just like, what are you? what's going sense. on? Went into my internship, and as I walked, everybody was... It was like a movie. Like, people were just standing under... I remember this. I passed a... A deli and the the deli owner was standing there, just under the speaker, listening to what was going on, mm-hmm. and people were almost like at like moving slow mm-hmm. or standing still. And mm-hmm. I'm walking through, getting to, trying to get to this building, which was on Madison and Twenty Second Street, um, and it was actually the Google Google building. Or the Google Google was in that building, and I was like, oh, Google was Google has enough money to have a. Have a have a New York City office. That was how early this was. This is two thousand, right? Well, two thousand one, right? Right, right, right. Um, so when I went into into the office that day, I we watched all. I mean, we were 
close. I mean, yeah, we're no, downtown. Close to downtown. Two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We saw everything come down on the TV Jeez. now. And um, I was just like, it was weird. It was, and then by the time I got out, I actually got out okay, like nine, five o'clock, finished my internship. I got out and it was just so kind of what's going on. Everything was quiet in New York, mm -hmm. except for like ambulances and cop cars feeding up and down the street. And then they were Did just. Did the rubble hit that far up? No. Okay, it went east. I feel. Like. Yeah, yeah, and but when I went into the train station, I was really impressed that they, like, they just wanted to get people out, out of the right. city. Right. And I remember sitting and on the train and looking at this woman, just sitting there quietly, covered in ash. She was gray, and she was just sitting there and. I don't even remember if people were crying, but it was like, I was not, I hadn't, I was not processing anything. Right, right, right. right. It wasn't until the next day that it hit me and mm -hmm. I like just bawled my eyes out. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I had to, you know, I took the train back to New Brunswick that day. Okay. I mean, I, I did my internship nine to five. And you know, probably one of the things that looking back now, I feel like I probably should have stuck with that internship, but one, it was unpaid. Mm. But instead, I, I, I instead like I, I found another internship nearby, News Twelve, New Jersey. Okay. That got me more of the local, and so I could stay local and not not go into the city. Right. And I think that one might have been paid. I'm not sure, but it was like a really like I, I, I wonder about that. I'm like, I wonder if I should have stayed in the city and done the stories. Mm. Um, in the city at that time, or, yeah. but you just never know. Yeah, and you didn't. And I didn't. So and I didn't. let's now let's get you to the other big city on the other side of the country. What was yeah. what's that story? Um, so I, after college, um, well during college I got this really cool part time job working for a newspaper, Gannett newspaper. I think mm -hmm. I told you, mm -hmm. and I loved it, and they. Two days a week, I would be an obituary clerk. One day a week, I would go down and go, go do stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, I even did a story, like I was like a investigative reporter, oh, and, yeah. like undercover as a student because I'm still a student. And I, I went and I was supposed to talk to this couple that like whose roommate like filmed them with a cam webcam having sex or something. Yeah, yeah. and I actually found the couple. But like we took the same elevator, and I was like, "Do you two know this so and so?" And they're like, "That's us." Oh, can I interview you for this story? Oh, wow. It was so cool. Yeah. Like, and then I got to follow. Like, it it was like what, what was it? Almost famous, where I got to follow um, a local like ska band down mm. in Perth Amboy, New Jersey. Went to, and, and that was like a newspaper assignment for me. Wow. It was so cool. I always think about like you know all the movies now. Like now that we don't have like proper journalists anymore, right. how are we ever gonna you know how are we ever Hear gonna tell stories. these stories anymore? Because right. it's just this was amazing. Yeah. So um, I actually made a bad decision to take a full time job with a weekly newspaper instead of stick it out even part time at the daily newspaper. Okay. Um, you know these are now like a bunch of lost wandering ways of mine mm -hmm. so I took a a, a, a job at, at a weekly newspaper it was just not my jam still in New Jersey still in New Jersey okay. it was not my jam okay. um, it was you know covering um, like 
Somerville's, what do you call that? Like you know, local local hearings and something like that. Oh, like city hall, city council, city city council, oh, city man. council. I'd be right. there for like four hours, yeah. and I would write like one inch, and I'm like, there's must be a much better use of my time than doing that. That was Arabella DeLuco. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, hear the conclusion of Arabella's life history. Part two drops Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 180 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, please rate and review the show so we can reach even more folks. We love email, and we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. podcast is a proud member of the bff.fm podcast network learn more at podcasts.bff.fm bff.fm best frequencies forever